Hey, this is Kai Guy coming to Not Live from New Hampshire. And today, well, today I'm going to be talking with Jennifer Sinaway, a grade one and two math teacher. And what I'm going to be talking about is how the pandemic affects students, especially with remote learning and specifically in math. Because I read a Boston Globe article and its headline was that in MCAS scores, which is how public schools measure how their students are doing, only 33% of students are at or above grade level, which would mean that 66% of students were below grade level in math all over Massachusetts. So that's not good. And one of the reasons is because students are learning remotely. And I know that if I had to learn remotely in math especially, it would have been really hard for me because at my school from the time I was in like kindergarten, I had these materials that were like bead chains or um, a bank game, we called it, which was like a subtraction and addition game. And those were what really helped me learn math. And without those, I don't think I could have learned math. But I'm going to be talking with Jennifer Sinaway about how she's teaching math remote. And if it's easier than you would think, harder than you would think, or just what you would think. So let's just jump right in. Hi, Jen. So um, thank you for taking the time to be with me. So just for all of my listeners, today I'm here with Jennifer Sinaway to talk about how teachers define grade level expectations, what those are in math, and how remote learning affects the achievements and expectations of differences. And <laughs> so, thank you for spending the time with me today. Can you please introduce yourself? Sure. So, hi, my name is Jennifer Sinaway. I am a first and second grade teacher at Golda Ock Academy in West Orange, New Jersey. And Golda Ock is a Jewish day school that educates children from preschool all the way through 12th grade. And um, teaching math has always been a passion of mine. I've been welcome. I'm just going to jump right into questions. So... How do you define or know what the grade level expectations are that you have to teach your students? So I've had the pleasure of teaching in both the public school sector and the private school sector. And so that the approach does vary depending on which type of school you're teaching in. In the public schools, each state has student learning standards that define grade level expectations across the curriculum in the core subject areas. So in a public school setting, you're relying heavily on state standards that are established by the state departments of education. In the private schools, there is more autonomy and uh, the grade level expectations are more loosely defined on state standards and they rely more on the curriculum standards that the private school has chosen to use as benchmarks for learning. So there's a little more flexibility uh, in the private schools versus public schools. Interesting. So what are the standards that 
are usually being taught at grade one and two? Uh, so the, the standards are by subject matter, um, and they include objectives and skills to be mastered at each grade level. So they get very specific. The objectives are very, very specific, and the skills that students are expected to learn um, are very specifically defined. And so I teach math. So in math, the, you know, the subjects, uh, well, the topics are organized by, um, you know, number sense and operations, geometry, um, problem solving skills. So there's different topics that are the broad umbrellas. And then underneath each topic, there are specific uh, objectives and skills that are expected to be taught. Interesting. So how long have you been teaching? I have been teaching for 13 years. But, wow. Yep. And so I started in the public schools in New Jersey, and then we moved to Massachusetts, and I taught in both a private school and a public school in Massachusetts. And then we moved back to New Jersey, and now I'm currently teaching at a private school in New Jersey. Over all those experiences, a full 13 years of teaching. So has it been like really different standards everywhere or are they mainly similar? Uh, well, the standards have certainly evolved over time. When I graduated college in 1996, the standards, the state standards were really just coming out. They were being developed and they were being introduced to public schools. So they have evolved over the last 20 years and uh, 25 years, and they have become more sophisticated, I think, more detailed. And um, they've, I think they, every year they've, they've revised them and they become stronger and stronger standards. And the expectations become greater and greater for what students should be learning at each grade level. So have you ever had the opportunity to like have a different curriculum for different students? Because I know that at my school, at least, there was that. So I'm wondering if at private schools that you taught at, it was like that. Well, we for math, we use one math curriculum, but there's a tremendous amount of differentiation that happens within that curriculum. So there, of course, there are children with varying learning styles and very diverse learning needs. And so the curriculum can be taught in so many different ways and for children who are ready for the next level and to take it, their learning to the next level a lot of differentiation of instruction happens so that those children you know can soar and thrive and and really learn to the best of their ability and the children who need a little more support the support is there for them also in within the curriculum so it's a very robust curriculum that enables children to learn at their learning style. So the, I've heard that in the time that people have gone back this year, some people weren't like prepared for the math they were in re or not ready for it because over remote, they fell behind. So what to you are the biggest like indicators of preparation at first and second grade levels? Well, that's a very good question. In first grade, the first indicator that a child is ready to learn is 
is a child, is a first grader ready to be a student in a classroom? And many of, some of these children have not been in school since preschool. So some children, if they were in a public school setting, they were virtual most of kindergarten. And so many parents in, in our community sent their children to private school for first grade, but when the children showed up in first grade, it, it was their first real school experience because they had been virtual for 18 months prior to arriving at school. So it was certainly a transition for many students in how do they, how do they behave as a student in a classroom? How do they learn as a student in a classroom? Remember these children are six years old. Yeah. And um, how, how, do you, how do you learn as a student in a classroom versus learning as a student at home on a screen by yourself in your house? And so you think about that difference in learning and expectations for behavior. And so for the first two or three months of school, we really had to understand where children were coming from and help them learn how to be a student in a classroom. So in second grade, was it a little more, um, it was, was it a little easier to get into the math? Yes, very good question. Very good question. So our second graders, um, so the second graders who had been with our school for first grade, since we, we are a private school, we were open all of last school year. So if they were first graders at our school, they were in school full day, five days a week for most of the school year. So they yeah. showed up in second grade more ready to learn and we really could dive right into the math curriculum. And we were able to move a little faster through the curriculum and they were more ready to learn. My second graders were ready to learn math. My first graders were not ready to learn math in September or October. It really took until November for them to be ready to learn. Right. So that's pretty interesting that there's such a large gap between the people who are with you for the first grade and in school versus remote. So what do you think that the impact would be if schools go remote again, specifically in math? Because on an article I was reading in the Boston Globe, apparently MCAS scores, which is how public schools at least measure um, their students uh, like learning, apparently 66% of students in grade three to eight math were below their grade level mm -hmm. so do you think that people would fall behind that much again if schools go remote remote i do i absolutely do i do, it does not surprise me that there was such a deficit in the in students learning uh in those scores and in math in particular and i'm sure there were similar results in reading and in writing uh children need to learn in school Children learn best when they're in a classroom, live, in person, with a teacher and with their peers. Uh, they're able to focus, they're able to attend, they're able to engage with their teacher and their 
peers. The learning is in real, it's, it's real to them. And it's very difficult for children of any age to learn through a screen. Um, and so I think all of the research has shown that children need to be in school. And the goal should be to keep our schools open, in my opinion, as safely as we can, but open and children need to go to school in person to learn to the best of their ability. Right. And for me as a teacher, I want to be in the classroom, in school with my students, because that's how I can be the best teacher that I know I am. And to, for me to do my job to the best of my ability, I need to be with my students in the classroom. Yeah, so do you teach remotely differently at different ages? So like, is it a very different experience teaching remotely the first graders than the second graders? So in some ways, yes, because first graders are much, they're younger. So, you know, their attention span is short. And so it has to be, it has to be fun. It has to be engaging. I might play a few, a few I might play more games in first grade. Um, I mean, in both grades, it has to be interactive, participatory, uh, but first grade, I, you, you have to be very creative in engaging six-year-olds through a screen. Um, and sh their attention spans are short, so the lessons are shorter. So our time together is you know, short, but as productive as it can be. Um, so I'd rather have a 20 minute lesson of high quality instruction where the six-year-olds are engaged and learning and participating. Um, I'd rather have that than stretching out a 40 minute period where they're falling off their seats and not engaging and not learning. So my goal as a teacher is to have as much learning time as I can and focus on what we can do through a screen. Um, and and you, you bring up a good point. For second graders, their attention spans are a little longer and so the lessons can run longer. Second graders can also work more independently. And so I might be able to assign some math work for second graders to work on independently because their reading skills are stronger and their uh, writing and their math skills are more developed. And so they might be able to work on a, an assignment independently and then come back to me and ask questions and share their thinking and share their work. So it's a more robust lesson in second grade. First graders, especially in the beginning of the year and even now in January, they require more support. And so, so if you were your school or district's decision maker right now, would you have students go remote for safety or would you try to adopt other measures for in-person learning safety? And is there any like things that would influence you more than others, especially um, um, especially in math? Because obviously that's what you know better. Well. I, given the choice, and if it was my decision, I would think of all of the protocols that we could put in place to safely 
keep the schools open and to safely have children and teachers gather in classrooms. And so there are ways to do it safely. And um, that would be my decision because I believe that that's how children learn best and that's how teachers do their best teaching. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me, Jen. I found that that was a really interesting interview. So now everybody that's listening has heard Jen Sinaway's perspective on this matter, but I know that there are a lot of teachers out there who feel otherwise because they feel like it's not safe to be in person. But I feel like policymakers need to pay more attention to all the different teachers, not just the one group that, honestly, it's the only group I hear about on the news. But thank you once again for taking the time to talk to me, Jen. So, well, that's about all I have to say today. So I'll see you guys next time on The Kai Guy Show. Thank you.